All right, welcome back. Again, we are continuing this journey, this narrative from the Easter perspective, the Easter story. And as we've discovered this week, so many events have taken place thus far. And even on this Thursday, this Maundy Thursday, as it's commonly referred to, so much is about to take place on this day, the day before Jesus going to trial, the day before that Jesus would go to the cross, go up that road, the Via Doloroso, the road to Calvary, to die on that rugged cross for the sins of the world. And on this Thursday, we have so many events that have unfolded and are about to unfold for us tonight. And again, there is no time to do it all proper justice, but a couple of the key points that happened on that Thursday were the fact that Jesus meets together with his 12 disciples in the upper room to commemorate the feast of the, the Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread. And it's there where Jesus institutes his last supper. And I want to read just a, a little bit about that tonight. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter number 22. We're going to be in Luke 22 and then John chapter 13. I'm going to do more scripture reading tonight. And then we're going to close tonight's session with another video from a different perspective that I'll talk about in a few minutes. But Luke chapter number 22 is where we're going to be tonight because this day is is again, so many events are unfolding. So many events are about to take place. And, and we've already discovered that so much has already happened in the past couple days as Jesus rode into Jerusalem triumphantly on the donkey on that Palm Sunday. And then Monday, he cleansed the temple and did a lot of his teaching in the temple. Tuesday, gave the application. And Wednesday, wasn't a lot of things that we knew historically that took place, very good chance that he still continued to teach uh, again on that Tuesday as when he went up to the Mount of Olives and uh, taught uh, on his Olivet Discourse, that uh, teaching about the end times and the destruction of Jerusalem and, and some future events that were unfolding. And now we get to Thursday and it's, it's all revving up. Things are really about to, to just take shape and really... Uh, Things are, are changing drastically. The landscape of, of everything has, has been changing drastically because as Jesus is meeting with his disciples in the upper room, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders are continuing to plot against Jesus of how they can get rid of this man, uh, this prophet, this one that many are calling the Messiah. And that's where we find ourselves in the narrative tonight in Luke chapter number 22. And follow along. We're not going to read every verse, but I do want to read more of the scripture tonight. In verse number one, it says, Now the feast of the unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him. For they feared the people. The people were gathering together and rallying around Jesus. Verse three, this is key. This is significant. Then entered Satan into Judas surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. So then Judas is plotting with them of how he can betray them. 
or betray Jesus. Verse number 12, we skip down. It's when the disciples and Jesus had had come together and, and gathered together in this upper room. Verse number 12, and he shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. They get everything ready to partake of this Passover. Verse number 14, and when the hour was come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So he's informing his disciples that he would not eat of this meal again until he reigned in his new kingdom. Verse number 17, and he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. You know, it's a common theme that this was the day in which Jesus partook of that last supper with his disciples. There's a lot of speculation from some religious groups that might have been that Tuesday night or even Wednesday night. Uh, It's the common theme that it was this Thursday. So again, continuing the narrative, that's what we're talking about. And I know that many of you uh, were looking forward to participating with us as a church family in the Lord's Supper. And it's something that I've I've kind of fought with all week, and really not just this week, but in the preceding weeks, knowing everything that has been taking place, and I wish that we could gather together to partake of the Lord's Supper. But one thing that Paul reminds us of in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 is that we should not take of it unworthily. And I even thought about, well, maybe we can go to the homes or give it to people and they could take it to their homes, and, you know, some churches are doing that, and, you know, that's, that's, that's between them and God, and I'm not opposing them. I'm not saying anything uh, negative about that, but I really prayed and sought the Lord concerning this, and I think this is something that it's more meaningful as we come together. So what we're going to do is we're going to wait until that time comes when we can come together again as a church family, and we'll take one of our Sunday night services in the future and make it more of a true worship service where we commemorate and where we remember the Lord's Supper. Because as Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 11, and as Jesus is talking about here, it's in remembrance. Paul even says, as oft as you do it. Now, there are some religious groups out there that do it every week. The, the fear in my life that when you do it so often is that it loses its significance. Some don't do it as often as others, and sometimes there's reasons for that. Paul addressed that in 1 Corinthians 11, and really the church at Corinth was a very carnal, very wicked church. There were people that were coming in and taking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, and Paul reprimanded them for doing that, and it's a very serious thing, and I want it to be a serious thing, and and again, it's, it's a worshipful thing as we come together to worship Jesus, to remember the sacrifice that he made and that he gave to us 
on the cross. And, and just briefly, we will come together again at some point in history or in the, in, the, in the future, I guess, not in history, but in some point in the future. And we'll come together again when this passes and we will partake of the Lord's Supper together. And I'm excited for that day. And we'll let you know more about those events. But I just want to quickly talk about that. But as we continue on, verse number 20, likewise also the cup after the supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him, verse 21, that betrayeth me is with me on the table. So after they partook of the Lord's Supper, then Jesus calls out one of his disciples and says, hey, there's one of you here that is going to betray me. And I'm sure you can just imagine the shock and the awe in the disciples in their reactions. Just imagine if you're gathered together with your family, maybe even extended family, and, and someone calls out someone in the family for something, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And I think that was the reaction that was going on from, from many of the disciples, and they're trying to figure out who it was. Now flip over to John chapter 13, because I want to read John's narrative, and it'll set it up uh, for some of the future things for tonight that we'll discuss. But in John chapter 13, great passage of scripture from John's perspective. This is when Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He's giving them an example. He's given us an example. Not that we have to go around and wash everyone else's feet, but that we should be a servant to other people. That we should be willing to humble ourselves and serve others as our Savior willingly humbled himself and served his disciples and washed their nasty, disgusting, dirty feet. And as we pick it up in John's gospel and the narrative here in John chapter 13, let's start in verse number uh, 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Verse 22, then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? God, Jesus, I want to know. Please tell me. I mean, is it going to be me? Is it going to be Thomas? Is it going to be Judas? Is it going to be Philip? Is it John? I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I think of some of us today, you know, when, when things are happening, it's like, I need to know. I, I, I need all the details. And that's kind of what Simon Peter is doing here. Verse number 26, Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. So he then sends Judas away to go do what he was going to do and, and start conspiring against Jesus to betray him. And as the other 11 are gathered together with Jesus, Jesus then turns to more depth, more meaning, more significant teaching. As he's trying to help them understand what is about to take place. 
They are on the precipice of going to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will pray and really ask his father to to remove it from him, that he doesn't have to bear it and he doesn't have to go through what he's about to go through because he knew what was coming. Remember, he was fully God, yet fully man. But Jesus did say that, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He was dying on the cross, not just for us, but for his father as well. But before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and before he takes his disciples, before they fall asleep, when Jesus is praying, and before Judas comes to betray Jesus and, and Peter cuts off one of the, uh, the soldier's ear, it's, it's just an amazing story, an amazing narrative. And I encourage you, take the time over the next couple of days and read that with your family. Read that together with them. You can find it as you continue the narrative in Luke chapter number 22 and 23 and, and even in, in, in John's gospel and Mark and Matthew and other places where it talks about the events that, that happened, that transpired there in the Garden of Gethsemane leading up to the time when, when Peter would betray or, um, um, or um, not betray, but um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, can't think right now. Deny. Thank you. Uh, a spirit from one of the other rooms just told me that. When Peter would deny Jesus, it wasn't betray. It was, that was Judas. When Peter would deny Jesus, again, the word was there right there, but that's what happens when my mind is like six miles ahead of where I'm talking. My wife gets on me all the time for that. But when Peter was about to deny Jesus, it was leading up to those events. But before all that, after Judas had left, we get back to John's gospel, John's account, and in John chapter 13 going into 14, Jesus is talking to the 11 that are there, and he's trying to give them comfort, and he's trying to encourage them, and what he is talking about is that he is not going to leave them empty-handed. He is going to leave them with a comforter, and what he's proceeding to talk about is the Holy Spirit that he has given or will give to them and has given to us as well today that are Christians, that know Jesus as our Savior. And in John chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm about to go, and I'm preparing a place for you. Verse 3, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He continues on, verse number 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to get to heaven is through me, through Jesus. He's refuting all other religions at this point. There is no other way to God except through the Son, Jesus Christ. And the narrative continues into John 14 and 15, where he talks about being the true vine. And that's where I want to stop at this time tonight, because we have another video, and this video is from the perspective of Philip, because back in John chapter 14, uh, it talks about Philip. 
and it gives Philip's narrative and Philip's take on there. So I really want you to focus for the next few minutes as we watch this video together and and see Philip's perspective of what Jesus was talking about here in John chapter 14 and 15 and 16. And I know it'll be an encouragement to you, but it'll also be a challenge. As you hear from Philip's perspective, what he was taking from this and the application that can be brought in our lives.